Tonight on the show, we go back to school, looking for a cool rider and some reproduction. That's right, it's Grease 2. My guest is Sarah. This is Manic Movie Monday. I ache for the touch of your lips, dear. But much more for the touch of your whips, dear. You can raise welts like nobody else as we dance to the masochism tango. All right, tonight we are going to talk about Grease 2. Joining me tonight is my wonderful, amazing friend, Sarah from Australia. That rhymes. Hey. I just realized that. <laughs> All right, Sarah, how are you doing tonight? Uh, it's morning, so I'm okay. Right. I'm strongly in an average category because I'm not wired as a morning person, but I'm here. You, you just woke up. I am really like I am hours away from going to bed. So that's so cool. You're passing the baton on to me. I will take over the day as speaking from the future. I um, love I've it. Got- Right, because it is the future where you are, right? You're you're in Sunday. <laughs> it's Sunday where you are, and it's Saturday here. If there's a bad time zone joke to be had, I will take it. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. Every time. Okay. Future. So right. let's, let's see. Going. We've got the plot of this movie. In case anyone hasn't seen this film, and you're probably not listening to this podcast, but... <laughs> The plot of Grease 2 is as follows. A British student at a 1960s American high school must prove himself to the leader of a girl's gang whose members can only date greasers. Okay. The lovely Miss Sarah. What is your background with this film? So first of all, before we begin, if anybody has not seen this and you've gotten this far into this episode please press pause and go see it because it will change your life. It's the best movie that was ever made. Oh my God. I love it. I love it. That's fabulous. Yes. And I I believe, I believe it is on Amazon prime at the moment. So you can go and watch it. Um, I don't know. I'm on the other side of the planet. I got different rules (laughs) down here. It's on binge down here. And I don't know about other channels, but I've got a different, we've got a different vibe going down here different vibe that's pretty cool you guys have different streaming services i love it yes it's almost like we're on the other side of the planet it's very odd <laughs> i'm speaking to you from another yak this literally the bottom half of the world i love this i love this. and we're talking <laughs> about a movie that for me i started watching it when i was a teenager and i i don't remember how i first watched it but it was back in the day so when i was growing up you know in the 80s and 90s we had a very different experience to you guys to you know, movies and screening and watching things we had three tv channels and we had no cable like no cable that was it and we had two three tv channels that were commercial channels and then two that were like the governmenty style channels that you know that gave you news and smart people things but the three <laughs> commercial channels they would literally like you know 11 12 p.m they would stop and on would come like the infomercials or the weird late night movies and mm. I I think I remember watching this movie for the first time as one of those weird late night movies. And it wasn't, obviously, everybody knows Grease, right? Everybody knows Grease, Sandy and Danny. And you go, I watched it. It was fun. You know, I knew the songs. You kind of, you know, oh, yeah, that was a fun movie. And I wasn't super vibed by it. But then I stumbled across this fucking masterpiece. And I remember watching it and just thinking, when can I watch this again? But I couldn't get my hands on it quickly. 
I, rem- I do remember clearly going to my local video store and finding it and renting it and watching it again and again. I just, I remember being this, having this weird obsession with it. And it was multiple layered for me because I'm from a different country, right? And back then there was a lot more definition between, you know, Australia and America. We were like, our high school experience was incredibly different. We have, even now we have very different, you know, high school vibes. Like I'm oddly fascinated by your weird cafeteria culture. Like what is happening? It is so weird. And I, in my head, this movie represented high school to me and every high schooler was like in their mid thirties. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, we're playing fast and loose with the word high schooler in this film. Definitely. I think everybody truthfully, everyone in this film with the exception of Dolores, Dolores was actually underage when she made this movie i can say that I can yeah see that. like she was a kid and i think davy was probably the younger of all of the t-birds but everybody else was 26 27 28 and oh lorna love plays paulette was damn near on the bad side of 30 <laughs> okay you can see it though i would watch even back then i remember being i don't think i had the kind of mind that knew that when i was in high school i think i just thought there was like a weird maturity to American high schoolers and you guys Mm. wore like letter jackets and you had cheerleaders and we had none of that we had like we wore school uniforms like school uniforms is the norm here I know of I don't know if it's changed because I am no longer a high schooler but um, it's been a few years (laughs) but I knew of like two or three high schools in my entire state that didn't have a uniform and we would bring our lunches from home and they'd be like peanut butter sandwiches cut into like triangles and a a piece of fruit and a muesli bar like I would watch these movies you know like Grease 2 and I just had this feeling you know the jocks and the nerds and we just I mean obviously we had different types of people but it was such a different culture and I grew up very sheltered as well I grew up in a very religious strict school so it felt like another planet it really did it felt fascinating to me and I became oddly obsessed. I love that. I love that. And I relate to it so much because (laughs) I watched it on HBO. HBO, we we had cable growing up and I think there were only three cable channels and that was one of them. And we saw it randomly one Saturday afternoon or Sunday afternoon and just fell in love with it. I had never seen Grease 1. My sister was more of a Grease 1 person. As soon as I saw Grease 2, I just fell in love with it. I fell in love so with the music. you into 2 before 1. Yeah. Oh, I did. I saw two before one. And it's, you know, it always depends on like where you join the journey because a lot of people, I know (laughs) so many people who are adamant about their love for Greece one and even more adamant about their hatred for Greece two. It's weird for me because like I said, growing up, that was the movie. I mean, I remember very clearly my father coming home with the soundtrack album for us. Mm-hmm. It was like a record and then it had a double, it was like a double album where it would open up and you could see pictures from the movie oh. and different <laughs> things like that. And I had a huge crush on Adrian Zemed. I thought Johnny was just amazing. He was so, like with Paulette, wasn't he? Well, okay. It's funny growing up. That's a good point. Because it's funny, growing up, I always thought that Johnny and Paulette were together because it just seemed like Johnny and Paulette were together. But then I watch it as an adult and I realize that Johnny and 
Stephanie were together. And then Stephanie decided that she's an independent woman and she doesn't need to be anybody's girl. She's off. And Paulette is basically just like a thirst trap. Like she really wants Johnny bad. <laughs> and, and you know what? The weird the thing I loved about that storyline is I had that exact same thing happening at the end of high school. Like oh, wow. I had this guy that I was super into. And then he had this other girl that he was obsessed with. And for some reason I found that deeply attractive. And then we ended up finally dating. And I was Paulette w- without the tight pants. But like I was Paulette. Like I remember being like, you know, oh, I want that guy. And right. I remember watching that movie and thinking of this random dude and going, ah. Oh, He's my Johnny. He's my Johnny, right? I'm a sucker for talent. And so one of the things that drew me to this film, being a singer, was that the cast sang. That was a huge thing. It's a different kind of musical. Agree, agree. (laughs) I find it's funny, like I, when I rewatched it, it had been a long time. So we were chatting about this, obviously, a few months ago, and we sprung on about our love for Grease 2. And I just, I had this moment of reflecting on it. And then I rewatched it and I realized I know every single word to every single song. And I hadn't connected. I knew I loved it and I knew I had such a warm memory of it, but it wasn't the kind of thing, you know, sliding on into my 20s, 30s, 40s in my 40s now, but like sliding into those ages, I never really had that sense of, oh, one of my favorite movies is Grease 2. It was almost embedded in the back of my subconscious. Yes. And then now re-watching it, I'm watching it. And not only do I remember every word to every song, I remember dialogue. Dialogue. I scenes. I remember fashion. I think mm-hmm. I have a few fashion choices that have been embedded in my mind and have come out in my wardrobe from that film. And I didn't realize how formative this was. And I watched it the first time I rewatched it. It had been almost 20 years and I had the biggest grin on my face and I sang, I live alone. I sang loudly and obnoxiously in my apartment. I really hope my neighbors heard. And I just, I did an award-winning performance to every single song in that movie. Like, and I just, it relit that, oh my God, how did I forget that this existed? How did I forget about this? I totally related to that just because when I <laughs> when I dug up my, my DVD, because it's so crazy how we take for granted, at least in America, we do, in the fact that we have all of these streaming services, right? Oh, we, we have- do now. We do now. So many. We caught up. We (laughs) we think, oh, well, I just have all these streaming services. I don't need physical media. Like, I don't need the DVDs. I don't need these things, right? And then one day you're like, oh, fuck, I can't find this movie. And I look on my shelf and I'm like, bitch, you own it. You know, (laughs) like, you have you have the DVD, break it out and play it. You know, I played this for (laughs) this episode. It was just amazing. And I watched it. It's funny. I watched it with subtitles this time around. And it's a totally different movie, by the way, because there are a lot of lines that I had a memory of that were not the line that I thought they were. (laughs) Because when you watch it as an adult, you realize, oh, this is rampantly misogynistic and deeply offensive on multiple levels. And I feel really dirty watching it. And I feel really dirty singing along and now I realize my lyric correction is woof there's some there's some offense in there I'm oh my god it, Re- I mean if you want to get those moments where yes. you're, you're watching it yeah you're watching yeah. it and going I feel actually dirty as a human right now this is yeah I feel like I'm indulging a bit of rape culture cool cool absolutely yes like and I'm- let's do it for our country um oh. yeah <laughs> so problematic 
Do you know, what that reproduction. All she can say is no, 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 no. Oh, baby, what is it? Where does the pollen go? Yeah. Feel a backseat of your car, and I'm like, oh my god. Oh. And then all these, and even the character driving all the way through it. You see these women playing with the whole Madonna whore angle, and they're like being alluring, and then they're like, no, don't do that. And the guy's like, come on, baby. And it is so problematic. And I just, I'm my the back of my head. I've got all these like you. I'm making notes about consent. (laughs) One of the things I really love about this movie is that there's a feminist angle to this film that's not in Grease 1. That's true. But on the feminist angle, I found that it was almost like it was so baseline. It was almost like women are people too. I don't know. It just... I found it like I found I'm watching they it. They look like, just I, like us. <laughs> yes, I know. It was like we can make choices. Oh my god, you can have standards, girl. Choose the man you want. And it was right. just it right. felt like an infomercial. However, I, yeah, given the time period, and I know you know this, oh, given the content. time period that this film came out, and I'm not talking about the time period it's set in either, but given mm. the time period that this that this film came out, there wasn't a lot of feminist characters in, in movies there really wasn't i mean being a woman is really tough in the world sidebar that should have been a disclaimer at the start of this we should have been like look guys we know it's problematic it mm-hmm. is i get it it's beautiful and horrifying at the same time <clears throat> it's like as if you time traveled back in time and watched you know the english invading somewhere and ruining their people you know, yeah this is this is an ideal this yeah is there's ideal. a lot of there's a lot of cringe in this movie but at the same token like i said i love it you know i said this when i did the hard bodies episode and i've said this on any show that we've ever done is that these are folks these are products of their time yeah. <laughs> and, context matters it and, does and, and i do remember what you were saying about that feminist i remember watching michelle pfeiffer's character number one how amazing is it that it's michelle pfeiffer <laughs> i loved watching her character and i just i loved her vibe like she mm-hmm. just felt baseline cool she like, was I cool loved- without yes. trying to be cool and i yeah. think that's like the difference oh. between her and other female characters in the other Greece is that yeah. she was just cool she was yeah. she was cool she didn't need a guy yeah. i mean she kind of did need a guy in the later end, but, you know, i get you <laughs> But I, I loved her and I remember wanting, like, that's the vibe I would like. Like, as a person, I'd really like to be cool and aloof. I'm just not. But, like, that was always oh, yeah. my, yeah. my I, you know, the idea of I just wish. being that. Yeah, I'm wearing a leather jacket. I have my hair just, I just got out of bed and this is what I did. Like, right. she just had she, the vibe she of, She has, like, like, the best lines in the movie where she's like, there's got to be more to life than just making out. And then Paul, oh, Paulette's man. like, you know, I never thought of it that way. <laughs> Yes. I wish I wrote it down. As you know, I did zero research for this. There was a line in it and she kind of, yeah, that it was along those lines of, you know, you don't have to have a man kind mm-hmm. of thing. And they're just being like, yeah, girl. Like I just, the way she said it too, it would have been very forward thinking at the time. And I understand that the flip of this movie compared to Grease 1 is just basically let's flip the genders on this. It's exactly right it's literally like all it's all about hey if you want to love somebody cool you got to be cooler yourself level up you know so it's like right right. everything in our relationship will be perfect as soon as you're (laughs) different If you restore a motorbike and buy a leather jacket, baby, you're going to be hot. Like, I love that he had to actually create his own motorcycle, too. That was a weird twist. You are instantly fuckable 
if you create a motorcycle, just an FYI. He was my crush. He was, he's before was my crush. I've always had a thing for the nerds. Okay. So Maxwell Caulfield, i.e. Holy shit. Yes. Michael. Even like the look and the way he, like the accent. Oh my God, that accent. Like English when they speak. He's yeah, so that cute. accent makes them 75% smarter, like, in my book. Like, seriously. It's, accent it's and all. Yep. Even though the Our- whole colony thing with Australia, I'm into it. Colonizing. <laughs> <laughs> let's do some of the cast, because we were talking yeah. about, obviously, you oh, talked I'll about. Oh, I'll do some of the uh, You know what cast some of the cast. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do some of the cast. All right, so Michelle Pfeiffer arguably is the most famous person in this movie. I mean, she oh, went on. Did- to no argument. huge huge success with fabulous baker boys and so many other movies and she's still acting and she's married to david e kelly who creates amazing shows so she's not hurting for anything and she's still gorgeous she likes to post like you know what was it makeup list selfies and stuff <laughs> so she's i do still- wonder if like they ever in their like <clears throat> private life maybe they're at home and they're you know hey baby how was your night and i wonder if she ever just belts out cool rider like- i would are you kidding me <laughs> if cool rider was my claim to fame for the 80s you're damn right i'd be belting that shit out i love that song i hope anyway. he burns her through and through like the right. lyrics of that like <laughs> If it takes forever, then Don't I'll wait, wait forever. forever. <laughs> ordinary guy is going to do. I want to ride right. it. It's cool. Like, I just, I hope that they just in their pride. I hope that's her favorite movie she was ever in. I just have a hope for that. That I don't would think be it so is. nice. It I really would be so nice. So second, second uh, most famous is actually Dolores, uh, Pamela Adlon, uh, also known as pa- Pamela Siegel. She went on to Californication. She was on a show called Louie. She was on a, she's Paulette's little sister, basically. And now she is the producer and creator of her own show called Better Things. She's amazing. One of my favorite shows. I've never made that connection. You've blown, blown my mind. <laughs> Better Things is one of my favorite show of all That's time. Dolores. <laughs> no way. Mm-hmm. I need to stop right now and pass out because that is that this is blowing my mind. I've never made that connection before. Mm-hmm. I've never realized this is huge because she is a current icon of mine. Like Absolutely. I love that show. Her comedy, her writing, her irreverence. Like I feel like I see a lot of me in her, but without children. But you know, that whole mm-hmm. the reflection, I feel her deeply as a real person. And she was Dolores. Yeah. <gasps> that's Dolores. She's fantastic. Just, just a fan, just right a now. really fantastic uh, actress, creator, writer, comedian, everything. So I it's love cool. that I'm going into this with no research because you've just no! blown my mind. If I, if I Googled fine. that on my own on my couch, I'd be like, oh my God, wow, no way. And then I'd be in a rabbit hole. But right now in this yes. moment, you have made my life. Like, There's a lot of rabbit holes with this. Life. Like the cast is one big rabbit hole after the oh, other. So God, you God. mentioned Maxwell Caulfield. That would be, you know, Michael. Michael, uh, he kind of shows up in different things. After this movie, he did, I should say, sometime around the same time as this movie. And of course, he did a movie (laughs) called Electric Dreams. That was another really sort of like under the radar 80s film that he did, which was about a talking computer. (laughs) I haven't seen it in a long, 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 long time. Uh, But it had Virginia Madsen in it. And he later popped up in future generation movie called Empire Records, where he played an aging teen idol by the name of Rex Manning. 
save the empire yeah that's right damn the man save the empire <laughs> say no more more he, more he was damn the man yeah he was the he was he was the the pop star that came in to do the signing and ended up having sex with renee zellweger in the count out room so basically he started his life as a very nerdy english man in a high school he became a cool writer and then he became rex manning yeah rex i like manning. to think these are linked in my universe, this is what happened. This is his origin story. This is what happened. That's so awesome. And then we mentioned Johnny, Adrian Zamed. He went on to do TJ Hooker, Bachelor Party. He then played Danny on Greece on Broadway for a very long time. He's got and a Broadway vibe. I could see him doing a twirl. He he's was still yummy. I remember in these movies, this is the context of, you know, when when I'm first watching this in the 80s, you know, in, into the mid 90s. I don't have access to me and my, I had the analog upbringing. So I didn't have access to Google. I couldn't go on IMDb and be like, what was that guy in? I was reliant on my own internal filing system. And then I would go to my local news agent and I would literally, that they knew me, I would open magazines and I would flick through them and I'd be looking for specific actors and their photos. Uh-huh. I would look, I would look through these magazines for obscure. And if I found a Michael Caulfield, which was you know rare, right. I would, I would buy that magazine. I would cut that shit up out and I would put it on my phone. Put on your wall. My wall was covered. I was one of those like psycho weirdos. My literally my room was floor to ceiling cut out magazines. I looked like a psychopath. Nice. Well, so I was really into movie culture and movie star culture. And I wanted to know this information and I couldn't access it. And I do remember being, you know, as I I was born in the late 70s and as I drifted into the 80s, there's no option. Into the 90s in my formative years, we started the very primitive version of the internet. (laughs) And we had the internet at home because my dad worked in tech. So it was very, it was a very big deal. And I remember Googling this stuff. I remember Googling like, you know, these random actors that I would become. And I wanted to know what wasn't Googling back then. It was like Ask Jeevesing or something. Ask Jeeves. Whatever it was, Alta Vista. I don't even remember what it was. But I remember looking at and trying to find out this information. And like, I love, take a moment right now to realize how phenomenal is it that you just are like, oh, this is the cast. This is their details. He's married. He's been married since the 80s. We know all this now about these obscure actors. How Absolutely. Cool God bless the internet. I'm, I mean, I'm loving this. Sorry, that was a sidebar. I no, just, that's okay. huge. I mean, you're oh, right. Damn. And growing up, I didn't have yeah. I didn't have the internet either until like whatever the mid 90s. So I relied on my weird photographic memory. So I would yeah. be like, oh, that's so and so from such and such who was in such and such. And I would do that all the time with yeah. like family and friends. And they would just be like, oh, well, we can just ask Aaron. Aaron you knows. You human IMDb. Yeah, I was. I was the, I I was, can see I'm the human you. IMDb. Can... Yes. So now you're about enchantment rather than fact. Now you're no. about linkages. Because you now can't just... link all the yeah. facts in a beautiful dialogue and story like you can naturally. Like you can't Google that. No. This is literally like. The way you speak, I love it. You tie in all these beautiful like references and layers and you bring in your own experience on top of that and it creates an enjoyable story. I'm 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 vibing this. Let's keep going down the grease to rabbit hole. Thank you so much. You're amazing. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Now we mentioned Paulette, obviously. That's uh Lorna Luft. She's Judy Garland's daughter. No. a big history lesson for you. <laughs> I know yes. And she was in Where the Boys Are, 84. Paulette, she she really did a few movies. She wrote a book and 
that's all she wrote that's it so she hasn't done anything lately oh my god i can't believe that and goose played by christopher mcdonald he went on to star in happy gilmore as shooter mcgavin which is he's still a familiar face exactly he's one of the i would say for my own point of reference, behind Michelle Fiverr, he's the second most famous. I, I agree with you on that because he's in Thelma and Louise. He was recently mm-hmm. in Hacks. He's a very, and he's also one of those people that even though this is a very old movie for him, he loves to talk about it. He loves to talk about his experiences with it. He's oh, not, he you know, he doesn't turn into like George Clooney talking about, you know, Return of the Killer Tomatoes. Like, oh, I didn't do that. It's like, no, you did. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I love that. Proud of the like, because this is a ridiculous film. And oh. I feel like I had this idea of watching it and just thinking, do these people just look back on this and love it? I hope they had a great behind the scenes experience. Like, I hope that it's just, it's a defining part of their memories because it's a defining part of my memories. I love this film so much and it is such a gift of a movie that I would love to think of it as a gift of an experience for them to be on it. Like if I am reincarnated in another version of the multiverse, I would like to be in the cast of Grease 2. Oh God, that's fabulous. I love that. I love that. Or even so like much. a best boy grip. I'll be the best boy grip. Right. The best girl grip. I don't know, whatever. I'll be a grip, whatever that is. I'll do it. I yeah. want to be on the film. Hold stuff. <laughs> Davey. That would be the youngest member of the T-Birds, played by Leaf Green. He later became a production manager, and he was really important in raising money for AIDS awareness and for people who had contracted the disease and needed to like do fundraising and things of that sort. Oh. So he's he's a really amazing individual, still in the business, but does not act anymore Sharon everyone's favorite theater director basically is Maureen Teefy she was in fame <laughs> the movie she's in fame as Doris and she was also in super Supergirl speaking of movies that really weren't that great fame is awesome but to go from fame to Grease 2 to Supergirl is like ouch and then she's <laughs> actually a Broadway dancer Rhonda Allison Price she became a restaurateur totally out of the business Peter Frechette who plays Louis DiMucci he's an accomplished stage actor and has been with his partner since 1988 dennis stewart who played balmudo which okay so fun story for 42 years i have called this character paul menudo <laughs> and it is not paul menudo it is balmudo and balmudo is the head of the rival motorcycle gang. He's like one of the ones who was riding by the girls. He was like, hey, baby, let me check your oil. Oh, my God. Such a good line, right? It's a great line. Oh, my God. Liz and Jean Siegel, who play the twin cheerleaders. Mm. And they're the ones who sing that awful song. I feel like that was, if, if this is a nuanced script that somebody really invested a lot of theming and like, you know, women's empowerment into, this is the antithesis of that. They went, you know what, what's what's the woman, what, what's her finding her dream guy, you know, let's let's put in Brad and let's do her swooning over Brad and then, then let's do Michelle Pfeiffer being, you know, badass. That's interesting. No, there's a juxtaposition there. And that's I so do. I feel like that. Wow, that you brought Even that up. The because... itself, I'll be your girl for all seasons. Will right. she? I don't think she will. No. I think she has her own seasons going down. No. She wants see, to I'd like to see Grease 3. Turn where back we time. We're just singing and hanging out and then just they remain who they are. <laughs> 
just when I found you, I lost you. Yeah. Oh my God. Right. The lyrics. I feel like Grease 3, the, the, the script would be, I'm a nerd and that's okay. Right. I'm a cool person and that's okay. And, that's okay. and it would go for like 14 minutes. It'd be like the most accepting it would. screenplay. <laughs> it would. And it'll it'll just be like, cool, find your people. That's find it. your people. Find your <laughs> all of the older cast members. So we have Tab Hunter as Mr. Stewart. Tab Hunter was a teen heartthrob in the 60s. My mom actually met him Ooh, with his mother. Yes. He is still alive today, actually. Still alive. I don't know if he's still acting, but he's definitely still alive. So oh, clocking he- on. Good on him. And then we've got Eve Arden as Miss McGee, who was an actor from the 1930s. And we lost her. She was 82 years old when she died. Dottie Goodman, who played Blanche, that would be her sidekick. (laughs) Miss McGee. She was the straight, Um, wasn't she? She was the straight to Miss McGee's silly. She did tons of cartoon voices, including Alvin and the Chipmunks, Alvin and the Chipmunks Adventure, Alvin and the Chipmunks the movie. She played uh, one of the older characters. And she died when she was 93. Connie Stevens, who plays Miss Mason. But One of my not. favorite scenes in this whole movie is when um, she catches the in the hallway. Oh, smoking. His mouth. I just, I don't know. That I found, it's obviously ridiculous. But the whole makeup of that scene where, you know, she catches him smoking. So he flips the cigarette back in his mouth and he closes his mouth and mm-hmm. some smoke kind of coming out a bit. Yep. And his mate whacks him on the shoulder. Whacks him on the head. Well, yeah. Like, I just feel like that was perfect comedy. Like for me, that was just, I felt like there are moments in this movie that, because I often watch movies, right? Like I watched the new Jurassic Park movie the other night and I yelled at the screen and I did not finish it. Like I'm like, people don't invest in tight storyboarding. They don't invest in character development. This movie somehow in its ridiculousness has a weird nuance and complexity in it. Like, I mean, some of the characters obviously aren't too deep. There's not enough time. But you feel like somebody has actually thought about a filmic version of this story and they've really considered its pathway all the way through. And that's Mm. what I appreciate about it. Like, if you watch it, obviously there's the silly, like, this is ridiculous, there's some songs, blah, blah, blah. But if you watch it from a step-back angle and you watch the actual story arc and watch it develop and the characters, it's well done. It's well done. It's it's interesting that this was directed by a woman. Yes, it was. It was directed by Patricia Birch, who was the choreographer for Grease One. She she got, got a promotion. The, yep. So she already had Grease street cred, so to speak, and they let her direct this movie. And in 1982, 118 movies were released, and only three of them were directed by women. Wow. And this was hey, one. You know, I never, I did not realize that because there's a deft hand in this film, I think. Like, I actually think of it and re watching it, I know, as a proper, fully formed adult, I, I have a brain now. But like, <laughs> I watched it and I thoroughly enjoyed the structural parts of this film. It was by, I love that she was, I want to know these conversations where she interviewed for the job and she was the choreographer and she put that in her resume for this job and went, by the way, I have grease in my blood. That's right. <laughs> She's grease in her blood. And now I'm the director. Oh, I, love, I wonder if she made, did she go onto Broadway and do it? Not that I know of. I oh, know I that, that she's a really famous choreographer. And so I'm sure, I'm sure, I mean, if that is your bread and butter, that she probably went on to do stage, stage work, oddly enough, my my deep dive into this film did not go that deep with that director but yeah she's but she's amazing and i think you know the fact that of those 118 movies only three were directed by women 
And I want to watch that movie. I want to watch the movie about this woman who was a choreographer on Grease One. Then she became the director in a in a year where there were only three female directors in the eighties, and she put in these subtle, like quite progressive notions for the mm-hmm. early eighties for and that time period. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was quite a claiming film. Again, yeah, for that time period. Well, yeah, I was going to say yes. For the time I want to watch that movie. I'm, you know what? Let's write that movie. Let's write we that should. movie about about her. I want to watch the movie about her. Like, we I want to know how she got the project. Folks, you heard it here first. This is the greenhouse of its germination. Sarah and I are coming up with a screenplay idea of Patricia Birch's life. <laughs> so. I'm. As, a, as like a little note there, I'm terrible we'll at following through with things. So you're going to have to keep me accountable to that. Because yeah, I was going to say, I'm, I'm bipolar. So plenty. this is going out the window as soon it's as we finish me. this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned the behind the scenes. You mentioned like fun stuff that happens behind the scenes. Well, boy, have I got some stories for you. Here we so, go. So Tom Cruise auditioned for the role of Johnny Nagarelli. No. And no. Patricia Birch was like, nope, too short. <gasps> no. Which is I'm funny because Adrian Zamed is maybe five eight. You know what? I love the idea of Tom. This is the one that got away. You know when they interview movie stars and they're like, "What's the one role that you?" Oh right, have? right. I really I wish I would have taken Grace too. too. <laughs> no, could you imagine? I feel like if he did this movie, he would have just been musicals guy. Like I don't know if he would have gotten out of that. <gasps> no, I don't know. I don't know if he would have done that. Okay, so Lorna Luft dyed her hair blonde to play Paulette and kept dyeing it and kept dyeing it. And the day that they were supposed to shoot, it all broke off and she had to wear a wig. Ooh. Which is bleach girl. Now I watch it and I'm like, oh yeah, totally a wig. Like, (laughs) but at the time I thought, oh, she has just she has like platinum blonde hair like Marilyn Monroe. And also her vibe though, didn't it? That fit her vibe to have the platinum blonde hair. Oh, the platinum blonde hair, absolutely. It was And I've done the like when I was a in my early twenties, I got very, very drunk and bleached my hair and passed out and then I woke up the next day morning and I was in front of a heater like a space heater <gasps> and my hair literally snapped off I had to go to a hairdresser for like six hours to get it restored so oh I feel your pain Laura loved. Lorna not Laura. Wow. Lorna loved. Lorna loved. she also uh went on a watermelon diet and lost 22 pounds in four weeks and oh, just ask me how long I was thinking of doing this. Like as soon as I heard this story that she lost 22 pounds in four weeks, I was like, bitch, I am getting some watermelon. Okay. There is watermelon. It's in season for God's sakes. (laughs) I carried a watermelon. Oh, 22 pound watermelon. (laughs) I just, I hear those stories and I go, Oh, sweet pea. I'm sorry. You went through that. I know. (laughs) I just, Oh my God. I was like, wow. Okay. Like, that's... Those pants, though, in the bowling scene were. Oh, very... I know! Those pants. That oh, ass. Like, I think I had a bit of a sexual awakening watching that. Like, it's mm-hmm. impressive. Her little wriggle and her. Oh. Yeah. Great. I mean, tiniest waist you've ever seen, you know? I mean, it's Leif Green, played by who was uh, played Davy. The day that the executives from Paramount came and they were going to view the dailies, which is basically things that are shot during the day so they can watch it and see, like, okay, are you on track or this looks like shit or whatever. So they went in the other room. I think it was like a gymnasium where they viewed the movie. So Leif Green decides 
he is going to dress up as Rizzo from the first one. He goes to the costume department and says, do you guys have Rizzo's original outfit? And they're like, we do. We have her jacket and her bra and all of this other stuff. So he decides to basically dress in drag and go down and meet the executives in full on Rizzo wear and then has sunglasses and is smoking a cigarette takes his sunglasses off and looks at them and says, this movie is shit. The original is better and walks away. <laughs> what was he high when he did that? Because that I don't know, crazy. but I just think, I just think they got bored because I'm here for it. Like I know? get nervous about, I have the best boss. Like I love him and I get nervous about saying anything even remotely bold or critical. He got in drag, smoked nice. a cigarette, and diss the movie he's being paid to be in. That's right. That's and then right. like what walked away, like just walked away. Moment. Like I love that. I owning that that's cool writer energy. Like own the room. Yes, that is that. Christopher McDonald auditioned five times for the role of Johnny, and finally Patricia Birch was like, "Look." You're not going to get the Johnny role, but I'm going to give you the goose role. And that's your role. He's so suited goose though. Come on. Like, he I know. He wasn't Johnny guys. Goose. goose was silly and goofy yeah. and fun. And yeah, he's got the face. He's got yeah. the face for it. He does. He has such a distinctive face. Like as soon as you know, he's one of you know those actors that I was, when I rewatched this, I noticed for me, like, and I'm sure everybody does this, you watch a movie from years and years ago and you notice all the faces and you you remember them, like, from 30 years later from, you know, they're on NCIS or whatever they're on. Right. <laughs> they pop up. And I love those moments because I was a mini human IMDb. You were, like, you know, the, the alpha model. I was, like, one of the further Greek alphabet letters. Um, <laughs> <laughs> way, way down the track. I was not a great iteration. But I would do that. I would watch a movie and I do it today. I'll watch it and I'll go, wait a minute. Wasn't he a special guest star in SVU like 14 yes. seasons ago? IMDb comes my confirmation and I go, he was. He Christopher McDonald has one of those faces where mm-hmm. you see him and you watch Hacks and you go, Goose, Grease 2, there he right. is. Like he Absolutely. Immediately. Yep. He does. Immediately. He it's does. like, oh, okay. I know exactly who that is. Like, Good on him for showing up. He must have really wanted to be in this movie. He really he... wanted to be in the movie. Oh, bless Which him. I think is great. I also and... hope he thinks of this fondly. I hope they all do I hope they have moments where they're at a dinner party because I have a million anecdotes and none of mine involve being in a film but <laughs> I would love to be a dinner party guest and just randomly bring up Grease 2 if I was any of these people I would mm-hmm. do it like it, I'd be known as oh god Sarah's talking about Grease 2 again I would be known <laughs> as that person like we know Sarah we know we know you were the catering assistant on I mean, Grease like, 2. So it's funny that you mentioned this because we were talking about We're talking about actors who actually like this movie. Maxwell Caulfield is quoted and or interviewed on the behind the scenes as saying Grease 2 ruined him, made him because the fact that it was a box office failure, critical failure, it became a cult film later on thanks to home video, HBO, cable, all of those things that all the kids that grew up with it revere it, but the critics hated it. And as a result, Maxwell Caulfield claimed that he was kind of on the road to becoming the next Brad Pitt and that that was completely shut down overnight because of this movie. Interesting. Interesting. I feel like I'm really disappointed in him because 
But I get, you know what, again, this is context, right? You can imagine this film was ridiculous and still remains ridiculous. And it has become one of those beloved moments of, oh my God, what, a, and you know, we, we talk about the times and the context, but it wasn't a critical excess, it, success. It did bomb. It didn't go particularly well for them. And it was, you know, it was around the period where I think traditionally in the, I mean, you'd know this more than I would, but in the 70s and 80s, sequels were still quite newish like the idea of doing a sequel and something had to be very successful to warrant a sequel and there was a lot of pressure on the idea of the second one building on you know I mean I, I can't help but think of you know the godfather and stuff where they they would have the idea of this this movie was so good and so popular let's harness that audience and make a second one and you said it earlier a lot of people either love one and hate the other absolutely and quite divisive even though strangely they have very similar themes so I don't I because I I mean I don't love love Grease one but I don't hate it like I mean I'm into it I'll watch it again I'll sing along I know the songs but I don't understand why people are so extremely left or right there's like a diametric opposition about whether you love or hate one or the other so the last fun fact behind the scenes is that Johnny did that knee slide in the bowling alley 50 times 50 did he like throw it he's oh he hurt he was in so much pain yeah see i want to watch that again and again now i want to like just replay 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 to watch him just slide 50 times he's like oh yeah we're just that was impressive that i know it i can like do it right now i feel it i love that bit i've been holding back from singing in this in this chat by the way i want to sing every song oh well, we're going to get to the soundtrack, so that's actually the perfect moment for that. <laughs> it's joyful. Oh. So what I was going to say was we were talking about the feminist aspect of this movie. There are things about this movie, granted, that maybe aren't necessarily feminist, but that are sexually assertive as mm. far as females being sexually assertive, which we don't really see at that time period. That wasn't really. Paulette starts off the movie as pretty much just a thirsty girl. She really wants Johnny. Johnny tells her she can't wear the summer outfit because she's going to be doing Girl for All Seasons. And she's like, I got to dress like this, Johnny. It's summer. And he's like, well, get yourself a pair of galoshes, a snowsuit, and you can be winter. And that is Johnny Nagarelli's final word. And then she's like, you want to fear my final word, Mr. Push Everybody Nagarelli? Maybe you can bully some of the chicks in this school, but this chick has been bullied by one Johnny Nagarelli for the last time. I might not be the classiest broad in this school, but I'm the best you're ever going to get. Oh, I love that. I love it. It's one of my favorite moments in the movie because it's where Paulette claims her moment she lays her ground she lays her ground and she's like look like you're not gonna bully me that's not happening and then (laughs) stephanie obviously you know she she's got her there's got to be more to life than just making out or maybe i'm tired of being someone's chick they're sitting Mm -hmm. outside smoking cigarettes and sharon says i mean the code says we're t-bird chicks at least till grad meaning unless till they graduate so yeah i think that's fascinating because i know in my high school i went to a very 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 religious high school for a bulk of my teenage years and then for my final two years i went to a more progressive but still quite sheltered school and there was a sense of that group dates that group you know like Mm -hmm. this type of woman dates this type of man and i I mean obviously the natural order and especially when you're young we're quite black and white in our characters so you know i always found it fascinating american film and tv seemed a lot more defined in those characteristics than i felt we were in australia so that but we still definitely did but there was we wouldn't say jock we would just say sporty you know Mm -hmm. like or you know we wouldn't and but there was you would you'd have these definitions of like well, the sporty guys date 
the cool, sexy girls. It's what Mm -hmm. they do. And I love that they had these jackets made. <laughs> like I know, the pink then, lady. Pink how did lady they make coat. those jackets? Like even now, like I know I can jump on a website and get myself a jacket made with whatever I want on it. That's right. But in the 1960s where this is set, how did they get, did they, did like, was Paulette's cousin a dressmaker? Somebody like, probably, exactly. Like someone embroidered those jackets. <laughs> like, And how did they afford them? They're high schoolers. They're how high schoolers. They, they're high schoolers at a public school. Like True. how did they afford the bespoke silky pink jackets with their names embroidered on them. I want that story. Soundtrack. This soundtrack is honestly one of my favorite soundtracks of all time, period. For me, between this and parts of High School Musical 2, which I know is a bit controversial, but for some, there's a song in there called You Are The Music In Me, and it is my joy song, and I built that shit out in the car, and I harmonize it. I don't know how that that song ended up becoming like a mantra for my life for some reason. I do the different parts. I'm Troy and Gabriella. I'm not a massive fan of musicals. I'm really not. But every now and then one just like works its way into my soul. And this Grease 2 soundtrack, every, I can't think of one song on this that I don't adore. I really can't. Okay. I can. So Okay. Okay. Um, Maybe I can. Maybe I'm just making a sweeping generalization. Let's let's debunk this. We'll go down the list here. Okay. So Back to School, which is the opening. And that's actually by the Four Tops. Great song. And it has, it automatically makes me think of like the dancing in this movie because yes. I just did the clicks. I literally just did the clicks. I, yeah. I can feel it. It's like, I moved it. I had to, I, even thinking of the title, I had to start dancing. Like, the pink ladies pledge to act cool, cool. To, look to look cool, cool. and to be cool till death do us part. Pink. 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 <laughs> I automatically just felt like 108% girlier doing that. Pink. I love it. I love it. Yeah. It's amazing. Yep. Probably my favorite. I, I will say that this is honestly in my top five like happy songs. Is is Cool Rider. I mean, me too. Absolutely. The cool ooh, 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 ride a cool bit. Like ooh, 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 bit. Oh, uh, I, I do. I'm the same. I this feels like a claiming song. It's such a liberating. Like mm-hmm. it's like the tune is amazing. The feeling is amazing. The lyrics are cool. Like even though like, there's depth of lyrics, like if he's cool enough, he can burn me through and through. Like, how, oh, yeah. like I just love that. And oh, I do. I love that song. It's great song. definitely fantastic formative. song. Great. And mm-hmm. Michelle Pfeiffer possessed some major pipes. You know, that was, a, that's a really, that's not an Has easy song to sing. she sung in any other movie? Yes. Fabulous Baker Boys. She um... is a torch singer. Okay. Score tonight. I love score. Same. I do. I love it. Even we're gonna though rock, it is we're going to roll. So what is it? We're gonna something we're going to bowl dirty. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's the every time I bowl, which, you know, is not a lot to be honest, but every mm. time I do, I start singing that song and people look at me weird because no one's seen this movie and they're like, the right. fuck are you singing? And I'm right. like, we're gonna you know, come on. tonight. Yeah, it's yeah. great. And yeah. I literally, I do, I sing it every time. I it has it. such an song. amazing setup for the dancing in that scene. Is it's like, done. and I, I guess I'm always in admiration of movies that have dancing in them because I'm not a dancer, and, and like mm-hmm. I can, I can relate to singing and I can relate to to that. And, but like dancing is something that I've never been good at. I am unbelievably clumsy. So oh, to you. watch people dance is just you had to be bad at something. I'm glad to hear that. Oh yeah, yeah, trust me. Oh no, there's plenty. I, was, I did dancing. I did it. I danced it growing up. I was at the Margaret Le Bon Academy of Dance. Nice. 
Oh, that's cool. I mean, yeah. it sounds fancy. It was Povo. It was not fancy. But Super like, fancy. And then I did like the YWCA Ballet Academy <gasps> and I did all these wow. things. I love dancing. And so I would watch these movies. I And I always love dancing and singing. So combining the two. And it's weird. Amazing. I don't know why. I feel like I was in the wrong schools. If I had the opportunity to be in musicals, I would have been in musicals. Like I would have in a heartbeat. But I the schools I was in didn't do that. So that was another part of why I was fascinated by this movie because I was in such a sheltered different upbringing and I loved the idea of putting on a school dance or being mm. on a school performance and performance. we didn't do that we weren't allowed to mix with the boys it was very strict I cannot overstress how strict this school was that but, is so interesting so I I was watching this through the eyes of like, the way I found out what sex was was I was 16 and I went to my school library and looked it up in the like the encyclopedia because I heard people talking about it and I was like mm. I don't know what that is I was 16 bless my heart and I'm so watching these movies I watched them from such an innocent lens I did not see the innuendo and the layered spaces but I definitely I had a reaction like I felt it but I was so naive and so watching these I would think oh my god American America is so open and progressive and different I mean it's probably like that in different parts of Australia too I was very sheltered reproduction (laughs) best Love, love this one. Love this one. You gotta love this one. Are there any questions? Yeah, can you tell me where she lives? <laughs> and he's pointing at the the, the pinup. He has like a like a like a Playboy layout, yes. and he's... <laughs> it's so. This one is like my you know my appropriate nature just fires up in this because I'm like this classroom is out of control. I know. And I love it. I'm like, how did they not all get detention like immediately for this? This kind of behavior is uncomfortably rampant and I'm here for it. And what's funny is that you've got Mr. Stewart and then you've got you've got Miss Mason also is in the classroom. You don't even notice it. But like in the very attention, he's okay. So let's talk about, you know, reproduction. And she goes, if you need me, I'll be right over here. And she goes (gasps) into the corner. All these kids, so to speak, are singing and Demucci's see what happens when a boy and girl don't know how to play it safe. And he holds up the rabbit. It's funny, I watch this movie and even the fashion and what they're wearing and stuff, they're obviously in their 20s and <laughs> It's hilarious to rewatch. And you watch it as a classroom and losing control. And you can't help but parallel it to your own classroom experiences. It is. I never had that. It was even slightly innuendo adjacent, which I wasn't because I was pure ass. But like if I ever was, that would have been the riskiest thing to say in the world. So I love this as a classroom. And I must say, I think I did actually learn a bit about reproduction from this song. I think it taught me some. I did not think about pollen and, you know, all that. I did not. I did not think about it until I listened to this song. I learned some shit. It taught me. Speaking of problematic, we got to talk about it. Here we go. Do it for our country. country. And I wrote literally, this is what I wrote in my notes. Didn't age well. (laughs) You know, but you know what the hard thing is though? The hard thing about this song is that it's It's so catchy. I like it. And I really like this song and it is so offensive and I find myself singing it it's hard because it is a it it's a beautifully sung song like you can't like you take someone like Peter Frechette his voice is so fucking when he goes to the and I'll win this war for you there's like a I, I I've never been a professional singer or anything I've always been adjacent but I love singing I was a backup singer for you know on and off for a little while here and there like I do little things and I appreciate and I don't know the terminology I never learned how to read it but he shifts his 
tone, I don't know the mm. word, in that bit and I'll win this war for you. And yeah. it, I, I, when I think of it now, it is beautifully sung. <gasps> it's actually, if the words weren't were so raby. a woman into sex, like it right. would be beautiful. <laughs> it would be a great song if not for the rape. But literally okay. like luring a woman into a war shelter, which is hilarious. Having your friend do an air raid song. An air like, raid having single. friends outside. What, are they listening? Are they going for the high five afterwards? I mean, like, oh, my so God. So creepy on so many layers. Bombed and like, out in the bomb shelter. And then him being like, oh, man, it didn't work. Like, as if, right. like, and then they obviously, they didn't, that she's okay with it. They're still together at the end of the movie. Like, Yeah, <laughs> she gets really mad at him, and she's like, she figures it out basically that she's like yeah. you know Louis Tamucci oh god oh how could you do this and she leaves and then he makes reference to it when they do Prowlin which is just the most ridiculous song ever again another one it's like what I love how uncool Prowlin is like Prowlin like, like we're going we're down to the chicks we're, we're and going down just- to the supermarket to pick up and it was check out literally the most unattractive song I've ever heard in my oh life. Oh my god! I'm like, what is happening? I my, I mean, I don't know how crude I can be on this, but let me oh, just say, prowling, prowling will dry up a lot of vaginas. I dried, yeah, I was, I was, I was dabbling with how to word that, but I dry <laughs> up like a desert immediately when I hear that song. Wow. I'm like, no one's prowling See? for this. Prowling, like, we're gonna put prowling aside because prowling is not a good song. <laughs> All right, so we're still in the uh, songs that eh. we just did it for our country. No, we did it for our country. Charades is the one that kills me. I cannot. Charades is the song that Maxwell Caulfield sings when he's walking around the cafeteria. This is where I blocked it out of my mind because yeah, most people do. Like (laughs) it's not a good song. (laughs) This is a weird filler. This is yeah. This is a weird like Mm -hmm. down the rabbit hole one, isn't it? When he's having Mm -hmm. his existential crisis. Existential crisis. He's drawing the heart on his on his paper, and then he's basically like walking around. And and the thing is, Maxwell Caulfield doesn't have a bad singing voice. We have heard it in several. Mm -hmm. That song is not suited for his voice. Oh, I remember it. Is it's grating, he can't Mm-mm. hit it like it's not, but also, I can't uh. imagine a great voice rocking this song either. It's not a great no. song, it's the beauty school dropout from Grace One, a, yeah, yeah. It's a weird one. Like, what are we doing here? Like, That's what are we terrible happening? Song. It's it's a weird filler. It's it's go get a coffee drink, like mm-hmm. it's it's let's have it. It's intermission, let's call yeah. this one intermission, let's rename it. This is up there with like you're going to see a band that was very popular in the 80s or 90s, and they say something like, Here's something from our new album. It's like, no, we gotta go. Yeah, this is what I'm going to the snacks. I'm going I'm getting, to get I'm going to go get my french fries. I'm going to buy a hot dog. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the hot dog song. I'm going to go purchase. I'm going to do anything else but listen to this. It's not no, this is not going to happen. Bought- now we're getting back to the good stuff. Girl for all seasons. <laughs> yes. Fuck yes. Be a girl, girl for all seasons. Oh, I love I love this. It's so ridiculous and the uh 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 <laughs> it is it's like it's so quaint and I love that it is so like they're supposed to be the cool girls of the school this is what always got me right they're supposed to be the badass cool girl biker chicks right like yeah but they could not be any more like sweet natured feminine very 
sweets in that in in that song that song is very so odd right you know, i'm like aren't you supposed to be cool like i mm-hmm. think of it and i go you parallel it to your school and you think of the cool girls in your school right which we all had them they would the have done that of them singing this song is just no. so what the fuck universe am i in right now like mm-hmm. why why are the smoking cool girls who bang the biker dudes singing I'll be your girl for all seasons in a weird harmony voice and like flouncing around pretending to be a Christmas tree? What is happening right now? Oh it is so God. uncomfortable. It's adorable in an uncomfortable way because it mm-hmm. doesn't feel like, and I wonder if that's harking back to the, like, it feels like that dirty dancing 50s vibe. You know, like, I don't know if that was a, a context thing. Like maybe they had these in your weird country's culture. Like maybe back then they had like this idea of like a performative, lady dance and that was a thing I don't know it feels like playing right yeah. like singing like I feel pretty yes. you know like I feel yeah. pretty oh so and pretty, pretty. <laughs> uh, yeah right like I'm this beautiful innocent flower go bang me in the back like it's really weird vibe it is a confusing uh it's it's very confusing that juxtaposition yeah. well then see that <laughs> then gives way to love will turn back the hands of time this is her unraveling this is oh yeah and the big one she tries to do her own harmonies is hilarious because that's when you know you go girl you need post-production for that like why are you trying to do your own oh oh, bits like it's yeah oh oh, and then i I watch this scene right and i go okay we're at a school play right we're at a school it's not a huge school rydell high there's not like an auditorium of twenty thousand people and i'm watching the light show and i'm watching the production value and i'm like what kind of budget do these people have like it's a talent show yeah so it's yeah, I don't ta- know. Talent show. How is like the lighting, and then all of a sudden, what is she fucking floating? Like, is this happening, or are we hallucinating right now? I never got an answer to that. Right when she's sort of thinking about how he's like, oh, and he's in the silver. He's in the silver suit. And she's in the yes. silver suit. They're oh, good I know Lord. when I think of a bad guy, he's in head to toe silver. Like, yeah, it's weird right now. Like, like even and then obviously I'm skipping ahead but at the end they have their like luau thing and I look at these and I go in my head I go okay each decoration there is like 20 bucks mm-hmm. and I can see hundreds of them did they have a $10,000 budget for decorations here and same as like and again sidebar American proms are your proms usually that decked out like are they usually that decorated is that a normal thing it depends on depends on the school depends on if you have a theme it depends on what your prom committee is like because prom committee is who's in charge mm-hmm. of making it fancy it depends on where you have it some schools literally have it in the school some schools like our school rented out the aquarium so that was my prom experience other than you guys pay for it or does the school like how does this work we have prom tickets so like you pay to get into the prom but like like is it like a thousand dollars each to pay for these decorative budgets i think to be to be honest with you i mean we're talking you know we're going back there uh like 25 <laughs> years uh but i think to get into my prom i want to say it was probably like 15 dollars a piece like 15 dollars a person because yeah. we do like we call them school formals right mm. and like you, you okay. get dressed up and stuff but usually what happens is we go to an event center or something i don't like i watch these movies and again i haven't had any lived experience of this but i imagine a lot of them are in the school gymnasium and they decorate them to the point when i look at it and i go who did this and how much did this 
this cost? Because I'm so I'm watching this luau and I'm watching this talent show and I'm like, what kind of school budget do they have? Like, there's a lot. This is a lot of decorations. Like, this isn't this isn't going down to the local that we call it spotlight and what you guys are called. But this isn't going into a local craft party store. store. <laughs> there you go. Like, literally, the party down... store is what it's called. It's literally right, called the go. party store. <laughs> you go to the party store and say, I will have, I would like your entire inventory of Hawaiian themed things, please, because I'm about to go wild. And I watch these movies and I'm like, I, I get distracted. I do. I get distracted by the logistics. And in my head, I'm thinking of the budget. And then I'm like, who pays for this? Is this a school committee thing? Did they have a fundraiser? And then you look at fundraisers and they're on like a tank dunking people. And I'm like, how much did that cost? I get very distracted in these movies. Anyway, so that was, <laughs> that was a rabbit hole. I just, I watch it. And I had this idea of America having a lot of decorations. You guys love a theme and a party. I was always trying to figure out where they were because I was like, okay, I see the pool. So is that their school pool? Or did they rent out a state park and put a pool in? I don't know. I love that because I have a late experience of that of being foreign. So I would watch it. And especially as a teenager, like now, obviously, we have access to a lot more information. I've been to America a bunch. I know your shit a lot better. But, and we've got a more of a homogenized <laughs> culture these days. We actually have cable now down here. We've got streaming, blah, blah, blah. We're, we're part of the world again. But in the 80s and 90s, there was a detachment. And it did. It felt like you guys were such a different culture. And so I would form mm. my experience watching these movies and these shows and I actually went with my dad in 1992 I went to San Francisco and part of my overthinking personality bless your little heart Sarah was I planned my outfits and I was like what do American teenagers wear I want to blend in I'm 13 I want to look good like and I watched step by step and full house and number of movies including Grease 2 and I thought about what I would wear that sounds about right yeah step by step yeah I mean I followed my dad around to printing conventions I did not mix with American teenagers but I had a fantasy idea in my head about being in these high schools and like I I used to daydream about it I thought it looked amazing like to go to Rydell High would have been my dream I wanted a leather jacket I wanted to date a footballer I did none of these things but I Mm -hmm. wanted to like I wanted to go to a dance that had so much decorations that it was, yeah, that it was problematic. That's what I wanted to do. And I watch these and I go, and I watch them and I think of the fire hazard and you see like motorbikes jumping over things. I just, I just, I can't help but think of the realistic aspect of it. I'm, I'm a weird fantasy realist. That's so I, got, I went down the rabbit hole there, but I'm very distracted by this. I am. I think that's great. No, but I think it's, it's a good, it's great because it's a good question. It's like, it's like, I don't know what the fucking decorative budget for this was but it's bananas and so yeah so you have the rock hula hula that's their song that's the where they're all dancing around it everyone's like we'll be together from grace one that's yeah and then everyone's everyone's coordinated with like green and green and green and white like everyone has their own yeah and they're floating in the pool yeah everyone turned up with the dress code like it was it was impressive it was apparently this movie it had over a thousand extras did you hear that i did hear that that means it's time for shout outs i just discovered a horror movie podcast called gutted hosted by husband and wife team elise and tony and they are informative and funny and so adorable and just aside Elise has the kind of voice that sounds like butter melting on pancakes while Sade's greatest hits plays in the corner. It is that amazing. You can catch them on Instagram. They are on Spotify and they actually have a YouTube channel. So gutted 
horror podcast. We love you. We salute you. Obviously, Grease 2 has its problematic elements. It has a killer soundtrack, which we adore. I love the cast of this movie. I always look at it as, would I hang out with the cast of this movie? Would I hang out with those characters? I would rather hang out with the characters in Grease 2 than Grease 1. Grease 1 is just like, no. And I'm not, like I said, we do not want to do the whole comparison thing because that's a whole other episode. But I feel like Grease 2 characters are just much more interesting and fun and nuanced too because you've you've got the t-birds you mentioned the the talent show and if you look in the background and this always interested me and i just noticed it recently was if you look in the background the t-birds are actually helping with the talent show they kind of sound lovely during the christmas that's why prowling and stuff confuses me and all these like misogynistic messages because they also seem like lovely boys and i think that's the vibe of this whole movie like they're the bad guys. No, they're not. No one's stealing shit. If they do, they're going to go back and apologize. It's like they're putting on, like you can see them on the side of the stage actually putting on the Santa oh. hat and putting on the different Good things. Boys. So they're they're helping their their fellow. Doesn't uh, the principal pink- at one stage actually say they're good boys? Doesn't she? Yeah, that's that- it's interesting that Miss McGee, she says, you know, she's like, these are my boys. Whereas Miss Mason is good breeding with the peptones, which oh, once again, man. didn't know the name. Always thought it was the pet shop boys. And then I thought, well, that's a different uh, layer right there. That's so. an actual thing. Because <laughs> that's an actual They're band from the actually 80s. Actually a band. Oh, the Peptones. I was like, oh, okay. So, and fun fact, very the Peptones 60s. ended up marrying Olivia Newton-John. No. Yes. Matt Latanzi, who is, I think he's yes, in the they middle. Yes, they their daughter, Chloe Latanzi. And yeah. I want to say that he is Brad. So he was in Greece too. Yeah. Oh my God. Blow mind again. How did this not make the facts section? So <laughs> I know. <laughs> so like Sandy married a peptone who's younger than her in this. Oh list. yeah. Oh, Matt Latanzi. <gasps> and obviously Olivia Newton-John, Australian, and she died recently, which is yes. very sad. Rest in peace. And, Most We were very devastated by that news. Yeah. And the funny thing about like, you know, this being Australian and having this holiday, now there's a lot more, there's a lot more celebrities who are Australian in Hollywood, but in the you know 70s and 80s it was rare they would have these moments and we had such a claiming of olivia newton john she was <laughs> our olivia newton john and she was right. in an american movie and oh my and she, not only that she was in her actual accent because a lot of australians would make it in america doing a fake american accent uh, but she yeah. was this little hint of an you know i mean it wasn't super broad like our accent can get pretty <laughs> <laughs> pretty great but she was australian there was an australian character in a movie like i know this is about grace two not one but her marrying a peptone mm-hmm. Jeez, that's amazing okay they definitely chatted about grace that's what i'm saying is there had to have and been grace. some kind of connection oh, there you know that's beautiful see i want to know i want to hang out at these people's kitchens and i want to know the stories they tell i do i want to i think that's you know what that might become a new life journey goal is to meet someone from greece too and hang out with them there are conventions where they all show up for like but i don't know where the fuck these are because i am a horror convention nerd and i know all the horror conventions but i don't know what these wild conventions are where like the cast of just one of the guys shows up i have no 
no idea. But apparently, I feel like a Greece two convention would be niche, and these it would are be things. In like yeah, yeah, exactly. Side suburb of Nevada, definitely a niche that yeah. yeah, like held in like That's a you know, it's not. It, they're not doing a down under tour. They're not coming to Sydney, right? It's going to be in like a like a Holiday Inn in Paramus. You know, yes. <laughs> I still have my ongoing goal of meeting Emilio Estevez. I do. That's you never know. It could happen. I would like it to happen with all my heart. Like I can't explain how obsessed I am with that man. That's a different podcast. But um, I I watch these characters and I feel like I know them. Like I I had such a re. I cannot. I think I would have watched this movie fifty times as a teenager. Yeah, I would have watched it a lot. I loved this movie. It was a happy place movie, and you know, obviously, you know, teenage girl life can be challenging, emotional, problematic. I went through some shit, and I would come home and I would shove this in the VHS and I'd watch it. And I just and I would sometimes have it on in the background, or I'd sometimes have it on with you know a blanket on and curled up on the couch and just watching it. And and it's just, I feel an identity with these characters. And it's nice. I love that you went and you told all these behind the scenes tales of their, their real lives and where are they now? Because these are real people that had a real imprint on my experience as a human. And I that's what I love about movies because I'm just this random little girl from Sydney, Australia, and I am watching this weird niche movie from another, you know, from another world. And I'm having an experience with it. And I it formed, you know, joy for me. It had like, it gave me these escapist moments and these characters, I think of them as people I know, even though I obviously never met them and they're not even playing versions of themselves. So they've, you know, I don't know what they're really like, but I do, they become real to me. And I love thinking of it like that. I would love to sit down at a coffee shop and just have a chat, good and bad. I want to hear all the stories and just meet them. I want them to sing to me. I want to be someone's girl for all seasons. I would freaking love that, man. We're all just we're all just looking for our cool writer. <laughs> That's the exit line for this episode. That's a great way to close. Right. Yes, we're all just looking for our cool writer. Yeah, we are. We are. <laughs> Oh fuck! I forgot the line. <laughs> Did you hear what that? Can you hear that? Oh fuck! <laughs> I was like, I know what you're doing right now, and my brain was—I should have written it down. Okay, let's. <clears throat> this is good. <laughs> well, at least we had a good time with this episode. I know, right? Okay, do it okay. again. All right, <clears throat> ready? <laughs> <laughs> you did it, and I'm like, I know I'm supposed to say something right now, and I have no fucking idea why. It's okay. So I'll just do it. Did you hear that? <laughs> okay. You want me to do it? Do you want me to yeah. do it? I could do it. No, it's okay. You can do it. We can do this. It's time for shout outs. We'll oh, just... We just, okay, wait. Let's start again. Let's all start right, again. All right, all right. We just fucked wow. that up for Rob. He's okay. going to kill me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> can I send him, like, I don't know, some fucking Vegemite or some so sweet? Sorry. Sorry. All right. One, two, three.